Norb's uh, testimony is incredibly powerful, isn't it? Yeah, you get, I get at least three lessons out of this one. You know, pastor, I got thinking threes, right? Three lessons out of that. But, but one is just this idea that um, he's been, he came for decades here. He sat where some of y'all are sitting and yet never knew Christ. And so close just doesn't count. You know, going into a garage doesn't make you a car. Going into a church doesn't make you a Christian. You have to come to a place where it's personal. Well, you surrender your life to Christ in, in repentance of your, your sin. You, you trust in his death for you. It's what Norb did. Second lesson I get out of that is you're never too old. My goodness, you know, to go through so much of life and then to have your eyes opened and to come to know Christ. And some of y'all, I don't, I don't know your hearts. Perhaps you've been coming for a long time. You would say the same thing Norm said, but you've never trusted your, uh, Christ with your life. This may be your day. But then third thing, and this is one we want to nail on, focus on a little bit this morning, and that is uh, that save people, serve people. You, you notice, he, he came to know Christ, and then he almost couldn't help it. And people said, you've changed. No, I, he's not doing anything intentional about that. He's just now walking with Christ. And so he, what happens? He wants to serve. That's because save people, serve people. You know, you follow Jesus. Well, what did Jesus do? Well, he lived his life for the church all the way to the end. And he's coming back for the church. You're following him. You do the same sort of thing. Save people, just serve people. Now, when we become a Christian, when we come to know Christ, I mean, this is what Scripture says uh, in Ephesians 2.10. It lets us know that we're his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus. Uh, it's recreated. You, you come to know him. But he has a purpose, not so you'll go to heaven one day. That's a byproduct for good works. And that good works is, is, is a pretty big swath, but there's a lot of different applications. Uh, service is one of those applications. We were created. The reason why he created us anew is that we might serve him. That's, that's the deal. And so when you become a Christian, you know what? You get kind of a spiritual hard hat. You are now a Christian construction worker person. That's the goal. That's in God's mind what we have. But often life gets busy, doesn't it? And stuff happens and sometimes the hat comes off and doesn't go back on for a while. Uh, we just forgot what, what the purpose was. Or if you're like me, you grew up in the church. You've never known a day where you didn't serve. You just served all the time. But maybe you forgot why you're doing it, what its purpose is. What, what, you, you're not seeing service through Christ's eyes. I believe, speaking of a lot of folk, I think it's easy if you've grown up in the church to see service just as in a traditional way, not seeing it through Christ's eyes. And so what we want to do this morning, we're taking a break from our, our Daniel series, in order to get Jesus' perspective. And so we want to see service through Christ's eyes this morning. That's, that's the goal. And so if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. My favorite book of the Bible, Mark chapter 6. Beginning in verse 30. It's a very familiar story. But Mark 6 verse 30, it says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Uh, the, he just sent these guys out. And they had gone from town to town to town to town, preaching and healing and casting out demons. I'm guessing that's pretty busy. They were, they were wore out. And Jesus sees these guys are getting kind of thin. 
And he says, y'all need some time away. So he plans this retreat with these guys. He says, let's go get in the boat there at Lake Galilee. And they, they were planning on going to the other side of the lake. But many, verse 33, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So you got the picture, right? The folks saw him leaving and they ran around the lake. They must have been going pretty quick. Um, spared the word. Word traveled ahead of them. Uh, maybe the winds weren't working with them. The boat got there a little bit later. Maybe Jesus had this planned out. And so when they did get there, there was a huge crowd, remote place in the middle of the desert. There's all these people there. If you were Jesus, what would you say? You know what? We're tired, y'all. Thank you for coming, but we just we just don't have it in us right now. Thank you very much. Come back, come back another day. But Jesus is just not the way he responds, right? He has compassion. He doesn't just take care of these folk because it's the kind of thing a Messiah ought to do. He has compassion. And he has compassion because of how he sees them. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. And because he has compassion on them, because of the way he sees them, he can't help but serve them. You know, I think that uh, you hear a lot of excuses on why people can't serve. You know, I mean, just everything out there you can imagine. But one of the big ones is I just don't have time. You know, I'd like to one day maybe, but I just don't have time. I, I don't think, after all, I, I don't think that service is a time issue. I think we tell ourselves that and talk ourselves into believing it. But I think it's a vision issue. I think we don't see people the need as Jesus does. Let me, let me give you an example. You're driving home from work and you've worked a double shift or something. You, you're just really tired. You've got stuff going on in your family. you just got issues, right? But you're driving home from work and there's someone on the side of the road you notice who's wounded and really hurting. You're going to just bypass the person because, well, you know what? I'm just tired. Pro I know, y'all. You probably won't. You probably, even though you're tired, you've got things going on, you will stop. Now, if you don't see the person, you won't. You'll just keep on going. But if you see people through Christ's eyes, you see the need through Christ's eyes, you know what? You stop. Because save people, serve people. That's, that's, that's what happens. And Jesus, the way he saw them, is like sheep without a shepherd. And we know sheep are just stupid animals. We got, we got that down. Now, we know that sheep without a shepherd is like a smorgasbord for wolves. It's a, they're, they're in a bad place, sheep without a shepherd. They're in a bad place, without right? Just to wake you all up. Um, they, are, uh, they, are, they are, have no defenses. They have less common sense. Uh, sheep without a shepherd are, are in trouble. It's just a pitiful day for sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus sees these people, he sees them as such. Now, don't think that it's an offensive thing per se. I'm guessing some of the people in the crowd probably would take offense at that. But this crowd is a pretty big crowd. This story is told in all the, all the Gospels. We know that there are at least 5,000 men there. And this wasn't a men's retreat. So you give every man a wife and you give him a couple of kids. This is a pretty big group that you got here. And my assumption is, just an assumption, but my assumption is you got 20,000 people. Not everybody is humble and sweet and wonderful. You probably have in that group some ornery people and some cocky people and some naysayer people and some people who are there to judge Jesus. And you probably have some bombastic, prideful folk in the crowd, um, loudmouth type folk. Now, if Jesus would have seen them for those things... I mean, there just isn't a whole lot of impetus to serve somebody. You all want to sign up and serve somebody who's bombastic and prideful and arrogant. They're not going to listen to you and they're just going to judge you. You want, you want to sign up and serve? No, I'm not getting into that mess. 
Well, even we sometimes choose who we're going to serve based on whether or not they're sweet. Well, if you, the only reason we think they're sweet is because you didn't get to know them enough, right? Because everybody's a jerk in some way or other. We all are. And, and, and if, if, in fact, we see people in this outer umbrella thing, we see them for their, their attitude and their pride in their mouth. And if we see them this way, you know what? We're never going to want to, to serve. But Jesus sees below that. He looks into their heart. He sees their spiritual condition. He recognizes that these people are not just uh, good old people, but these people are in trouble. These people are like sheep without a shepherd. These people are in desperate need here. And because of that, he has compassion. And because he has compassion, you know what does he do? Even though he's tired, he's wore out, what does he do? He serves them. He's all day. He teaches these people. He, he shares with them. But the day's getting long in verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. We're in the middle of the desert. And it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. The disciples saw the situation. They saw the problem. There's a lot of people, and they're hungry people. They had a solution. Disciples have a solution. Let somebody else deal with it, right? You know, just send them away, Jesus. Just thank them for coming and send them on their way. That would be fine. That's the way it should work. But you shouldn't tell Jesus how to do his job. That never works out well. And so Jesus responds in verse 37. Jesus knows that saved people serve people. And so he says, you give them something to eat. <sighs> you know, they've been they just had this long uh, the service thing. They're going town to town to town. And now they've been uh, working all day. And now you want us to keep on going? So he says, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. That's, that's, that's hundreds of denarii. That's, that's, that's a lot of cash that we don't have. But even if we have it, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give them something to eat? You know, Jesus says, this is just not going to work. We don't have it. How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Now you can imagine the disciples might be thinking. I probably would be thinking, so I'm projecting a little bit here. But, you know, Jesus, can we just time out? Can we just talk about this for a second? I've been going from town to town to town to town. Walking, by the way, and uh, casting out demons, it's always an emotional mess. And I've been uh, praying for these people. I've been listening to people's sad, sad, sad story after sad story after sad story. I've been preaching. I've been healing. We've been doing it for quite some time. You told us that we were going on a retreat. So we go on this retreat, hoping for some R&R. We've been up all day. My feet are aching. You know what? Enough is enough. So just let somebody else do it. Because see, I have served my time. There was a time when I served, and I served faithfully, and you know that. But that was a bygone time. Now it's somebody else's turn. Jesus said, no, no, you give them something to eat. Because save people, serve people, but they don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't put it off. And so then they, what they do say, though, is look at the crowds. There's, there's 20,000 people. We've got five rolls and a couple of sardines. We don't have enough to give these guys communion, more or less a meal, for crying out loud. It's, it's, the, the task is too big. And our resources are too small. We think sometimes world evangelization. <laughs> Please. You know, I hope it happens one day. But my resources, that's transforming eerie. <laughs> well, you know, it's a little bit better than world evangelization, but you know what, my resources, I, because I got my own stuff to worry about, I, it's not going to happen. And so what happens is we do the, like the disciples, we pull the disciples, we start figuring out what we don't have. The task is too big, we're too small. I don't have enough youthful zeal. 
Man, I don't have that kind of, of cool factor anymore. You don't work with youth. You need a cool factor. And I'm like, once I used to have it. But I don't have that anymore. And I don't have the patience anymore. And I don't have the, the wherewithal. I don't have the skill. And, and that, that, that job takes a, a, a extroverted personality. And I'm kind of an, an, an introverted person. And so that's not going to work either. And on top of that, I've got my baggage. And I've got stuff. And I've got issues. I've got problems, Jesus. And I've got things I haven't figured out myself. And so to serve other people, <laughs> you know, and it's just not going to... And Jesus would stop and he'd say, Hey, I didn't ask you what you don't have. I, I know what you don't have. I didn't give it to you. I know. But I need you to stop with the excuses and tell me what you do have. Take into account what, you, what, what is going on. And we think, well, well, I'll think about it. And I'll pray about it, maybe. And I'll, con- I'll consult with some folk about it. And, you know, I mean, and if God gives me a great confidence where I just know, I know, I know, I know I'm supposed to do this. And if God gives me a peace and if God removes all hesitation and if God opens the door so there's a perfect thing for me to slide in where I don't have to change anything. And, and if in fact, you know, I get a burning bush and if in fact, you know, the, the sky's part and if hell freezes over and if I, get an, if I get an escape clause in my contract that says I can get out of this whenever I want, then maybe perhaps I'll think about serving. But you know, I don't, I don't it's not, it's gonna, it's gonna hamper my style. I got, I'm a busy man. I can't, I can't do this. There's a uh, story, I've, I've, I've shared this before, I love this though. Miles McPherson in his book, God in the Mirror, he's a pastor and he's in his church. He says, I walked out of my office one morning and a guy I had never met was just getting off the elevator. He was about six foot four, at least 250 pounds. He wore cut off jeans and a sweatshirt. His body was all tatted up. We walked down the hall together and he told me he was going to his first ministry meeting and he was really nervous. I asked, nervous? How come you're nervous? Pastor Miles, you always encourage us to do something, so I figured I've got to do something. I want to serve the Lord. Since our church has over a 100 outreach ministries, I asked him, what's the ministry you're joining? The knitting ministry, he said. He added, well, actually, I don't knit. I crochet. So here's this huge guy who looks like he could be an NFL tackle and he's nervous about joining a ministry that makes blankets and hats for hospitalized children. Curious, I asked him where he learned how to crochet. I was in the Hell's Angels for 12 years, he said. I learned to crochet in prison. I know it's the one thing I can do for the Lord. Just then the lady who heads up the knitting ministry walked towards us, said a quick hi to me, then asked the former Hell's Angel, Are you Jim? She gave him a big grin, took his hand, and I watched them go down the hall together. You know, I would guess Jim probably could, could count up the things he doesn't have. He'd say, listen, it's illegal, first of all, for me to serve in the nursery. Number two, you know, your parents probably don't want me going on a retreat with their, with their kids. Number three, the, the guys who count the offering, I have a feeling they'd be a little bit nervous if I was in, in that room. You know, there's just a lot of things I can't do. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. So, but Jesus says, no, 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 what can you do? I don't care how small it is, what can you do? And so he took, took account of it. In uh, John chapter 6, flip over to John 6, because we'll finish the story there, because this story again is in, in, in all, all Gospels. But John chapter 6. And then Jesus said, have the people sit down. There, were, there was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down. I'm in verse 10 of chapter 6 of John. So the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. 
And when they had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. Now we kind of overlook these verses here because we think, well, that's like the cleanup crew. Yeah, okay, we don't, we're not interested in signing up for that one. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by them who had eaten. I think that verse is the key to this whole, this whole story. These guys thought it was just going to be a day. They worked hard. Uh, right? They saw, they saw, heard, listened to Jesus teaching. They saw this major miracle with the fish and loaves. Okay, that's cool. But Jesus is not done. Jesus says, go click all the leftovers. He gives each of these guys a bushel basket full of bread and fish to take home. He gives a souvenir. These guys, their families will be eaten for a while. Their families will be blessed because they serve. We think I'm not taking any time away from my family. Their families will be blessed because they served. You, the, 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 the principle is, is simply this. You can't outgive God. You just can't. You can't outserve God. You think that, that God needs us to serve him because he just he has stuff he needs to do. <laughs> I don't, don't know what's going to happen if they don't sign up. God does not need us. God wants to give to us. And the way he gives is through the service. You can imagine that, that Jesus could have done here what he's already done in the past. He could have, you know, you all close your eyes, bow your heads and prayed and then clapped his fingers. And then when they lifted up, there was manna everywhere. He could have done that. He could have said, y'all just go home. Trust me, when you get home, you're going to have such a spread on your tables. You wouldn't believe it. He could have done that. But save people, serve people. He knew that his people needed to serve his people. And through that, he would give to them. He, he wants us to serve, not as a burden, not as a hassle, but to disciple us, to grow us. Huge things happen when we serve. One of the things that happens is we find community. We find fellowship. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Because the Philippians and Paul partnered together, because they served together, I'm looking at this thinking, you know what? Paul and the Philippians had, had a very special relationship. I'm looking at this thinking, Paul really loved these guys. When I think back, some of the ministry teams that I'd been on in my life, I just remember way back when I was on a, a youth, I had my youth leaders as a youth pastor. Starkeys and the Rhymers and the Selkers and Paul and Lori and Christy and every... Uh, Right before the, the, the youth season, I would take them off campus someplace. We'd rent a house and we would uh, storyboard my version. We would, we would plan out what we were going to do this year and how we were going to do it this year. What was the greatest need? What, what do we need to accomplish with our youth? And then every, every month we would have those special meetings just with those guys. And we'd plan some hilarious things and some things that got us in trouble and some more. But all of that, I remember when I sat down with, with the guys for a monthly meeting and I told them that one of our key leaders... Uh, uh, key student leaders uh, just found out she was pregnant out of wedlock and just to see the hurt and now the, the people were crushed you know we went through so many good and bad things together not just because we sat down and said let's, let's build a relationship we served together and through that you know what we discovered community and I'm confident we would have done anything for each other. You picked on one of us, there was going to be a battle. We were all going to be a part. We all might go down, but we were going to go down together. Another thing that we find when we serve is we find spiritual growth. I mean, it's, it's how we grow. Philemon, verse 6. Philemon, we say verse 6, there's only one chapter in Philemon. But he says, I pray that your partnership with us 
in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Just look at that verse for a second. Your partnership with me, your service with me. I pray that it's going to grow you spiritually. It is really hard to grow spiritually outside of service. Just, just the way God made it. it. Growing is not just, I'm just going to have a Bible study. That's part of it. But Bible study, you've got to do what the Bible says, which is to serve. And as you're putting all this together, you know what? You are, you are putting together a, a recipe that's going to equal spiritual growth. But the service piece has to be there. Uh, we, when, we, when we serve, we are doing what we were born to do. Was it Ephesians? We read this earlier, but Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created or recreated in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's not just an, an add-on. It's a whole new identity. And if... Your walk with Christ is just an add-on to the rest of life. Let me say it this way. If the way you're living life as a believer is basically the same way you'd be living life as a non-believer, except you've got like a God component, you're just missing something. It was never meant to be that way. It was meant to transform everything. Where everything I do, everything is, is now serving, is now serving Him. So, so we ask, well... What is, we're going to ask what Jesus asked this morning. What do you have? What's your heart for ministry? We'll start with acronym real quick. H, what is your heart for ministry? What, what is your passion? What is, what, what breaks your heart? I think Andy Stanley would ask. What is it that, that keeps you awake at night when you're laying on your bed and you're thinking good godly thoughts? Um, what, what are they? Do you, do you hurt for a specific age group? Uh, seniors or special needs or, or youth or children? Do you hurt for a, uh, a task? You just are burdened because something needs to be done but it's just not being done. What is it that... Please don't think that that was something you invented, that, that mindset. That might have been a divine thing. Your, your experience. What is your experience? You know, there are no wasted experiences in life, just the way God works. Maybe your experience, you've been through real troubling stuff. You've had a, a messy marriage in the past, a divorce, and you've had kids who've been hurt by this kind of thing. You know what? You might be a perfect person to work in a divorce care or divorce care for kids ministry. Maybe your experience is with numbers or with sports or with... Um, maybe you grew up in a youth group a long time ago where it was great and you had a youth leader that just really loved you. That experience should not be wasted. God, that, again, you didn't invent that. You didn't pack that yourself in your bags. God did. A is anointing. What's your anointing? You know, the Bible says every time, one of, whenever someone comes to know Christ, Christ, we are given a spiritual gift. Now, maybe you don't know what your spiritual gift is. It's not a game changer. The easiest way to find out is just to start serving, and you will find a place where you click in a group that maybe you didn't think you loved. You really do. You'll, you'll, you'll find, but you've got to get moving uh, for that. Uh, R, relational wiring. Are you an introvert or extrovert? Are you a uh, somebody who is task-driven or people-driven? You know, how is it that God made you? you know, because if, in fact, you're extroverted, you've got a great smile, you, know, you would be someone who might work out great in a greeter deal uh, or an usher situation. If you're just a little bit more introverted, 
And you're going to find this hard to believe, but actually, when I take those dumb tests, I end up more on the introvert side than the extrovert side. This Sometimes this is a killer thing for me. But we've got tasks that are introvert-type tasks that you would just fit perfectly. Um, T, and that is, is your, your talents. That is your hobbies, your experiences that you, or your uh, skills that you've honed, things that you're just good at, maybe, uh, things that you just like, your talents. Now again, on all of those things, do you think they just kind of happened by accident? Or do you think maybe a sovereign guard packed who you are specifically, personally, because he's got a job for you to do? You say, well, okay, how do I take some of this and, and get involved? Well, there's a handful of things. And in our ministry fair, in just a moment, we want you to go on over to the gym. We've got a handful of things, uh, places you can serve practically everywhere. But let me just highlight a couple of unique, special ones. First of all, you can be a part of our It's a Wonderful Life radio drama Christmas outreach. You might say, what in the world is It's a Wonderful Life radio drama Christmas outreach? Good question. A picture is worth a thousand words, so just check this out. Look to the screen. We are live. This Christmas season, our goal is to do this on a weekend, several nights. I mean, which of your friends, which of the people you know, wouldn't come to see It's a Wonderful Life? I mean, this is like a cultural classic. 
And there's a message hidden in there of redemption. And so when it's over, we'll present the gospel. We'll invite them back to Christmas Eve. What an incredible opportunity to get people into the building, to introduce people, to uh, help them enjoy their church experience with something that they're very familiar with. But as you can imagine, this is not going to happen on its own. We need actors and actresses and directors and stage people and costume people. If you have any, any experience, if you have a passion, if you desire, if you're good at this kind of thing, what you need to do is when we leave here, go to the worship table in the ministry fair and sign up. Auditions for the actor things are coming soon. What have you got to lose? Go for that. Also in the worship department, um, we, there's a lot of needs, but let me just focus on a couple of them. First of all, they need male vocalists. They need musicians. Um, I know you might, especially guitar players, you might be thinking, ah, I don't play very well. well. Okay, probably you don't, but don't, don't, you don't judge that. Let Linda judge that. Bring the thing in, audition for it, and we'll go that route. They need sound techs who know what they're talking about. So we've got a few who are sharp guys, but we don't want to be burning them out. So if you've had any experience, or if you just have a good ear and a teachable spirit, sign up. Go to the worship table, sign up. Next. First impressions, I love this ministry because you don't have to plan anything. You're already here on Sunday morning, and yet it's one of the most crucial ministries because all the statistics say that within seven seconds from the time someone walks in the door of your place, they've already determined if they're coming back again. And so greeters and and ushers, uh, people who bring in the coffee and work to make the coffee, we've got the credible opportunities to serve there. You can sign up at the according tables in the uh, ministry fair. Also, children's ministry. Listen, Awana leaders, they need male leaders. Awana is our Tuesday evening, uh, weekly, um, during the school year, uh, kids program. Now, why this is important to me is because I came to know Christ in Awana. I memorized a lot of scripture in in Awana. And as a kid, I was just a a hellion sort of kid. I really was. But when I went to Awana, there were, I always had, my leaders were always there. Uh, uh, College guys, men, they'd put their arm around me. They would joke with me. They would put up with me. They loved me. Awana was a safe place for me. I didn't know how to say it that way, but it was a safe place for me. We need male leaders. I I shudder to think what would happen if we didn't have any back then. we got to have some here. So you can sign up at the children's table for that. Also, during Sunday school, large group meeting. You might not, small groups may not be your thing. You might be the large group sort of person. We have a need for you. You can talk with uh, Miss Chris in the worship fair. She will help explain what this is all about. Also, I was talking to Pastor Mike this week. I said, Mike, what's your number one need? He said, you know what? If I had... An administrator, somebody, we can't afford it church-wise to just go hire somebody, but if I had somebody who kind of could walk with me just a few hours a week to take care of some of the, the paperwork, some of the administrative stuff so I didn't have to spend my time there, so much more could be accomplished. Maybe you're an administrative sort of person. Chalk with Mike at the youth table, that would be helpful. Also... Uh, maybe your heart is for the shut-ins. You know, there are people who want to be here at church. They wish they could be here at church, but their bodies are breaking down, whereas they can't be here. And so they're missing on fellowship. Well, our shut-in ministry, we have two specific teams we want you to consider. One is being on the visitation team, where, again, it's not any prep. You just go and love on some of these folk. Incredible amount of, of history, incredible amount of um, uh personhood, just to talk with them, find out their story, share, pray with them, visitation team. Also, there's the care team, and those are the guys who go, but they might take them on errands, they might run errands for them, there might be some light cleaning, you can check those out at the table at the ministry fair as well. Also, 
our mopettes, our, our mops, our, our, our midweek program for moms. A lot of moms who aren't churched, well, while the moms are here, their children are being taken care of. And you know moms, they want to make sure their kids are being taken care of proper. Dads don't care, right? But the moms want to make sure their kids are safe and their kids are all right. Well, the mopettes are the ones that take care of the kids. And not just, uh, it's not just uh, babysitting. There's, there's a degree of, of, of training there. So if you are open to that kind of thing, you like kids, that's, that's non-threatening to you, would you check out the women's ministry table in the ministry fair and sign up? Also, we've got to close this one on because there's much, much more. Maybe you look at this list and you say, there's nothing really here for me. There's just a bunch more you can do. Check out our ministry fair. And if you can't find anything, give me a call this week and we'll make sure and plug you in on that. Um, let me pray for us, and then we'll, uh, we'll proceed. Because God, I believe and I'm grateful that you have wired us. You've given us our limitations, but you've wired us to do the work you've called us to do. And I know the task is so huge that the little stuff we have to offer, the little stuff I've got to offer, is just nowhere going to make a dent. It won't. But when it passes through your hands, oh Lord, there's, there's just nothing you can... You cannot do. Thank you, God. And so I, I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters here, especially as we get ready to crank into a new school year and a, a new ministry year. Would we find our place on your team? Not for anybody individual except for you. Not for seeking to uh, um, make a statement anyway, but just because we, we want to worship and honor you because it's in this that you give back to us. So, so Lord, I pray that you'd give us wisdom and direction. May we have the boldness to make the commitment and to move forward. And God, even as we give back a little bit now, that which you've given to us to help fund all these things, thank you, God. We pray that every dollar given will be used for, for, truly for your glory, Lord, truly for the gospel going forth, that it wouldn't be, be wasted, but God, that would you sanctify it and use it kind of like the, the fish in the loaves. Would you multiply it in such a way that your gospel would be heard eerie and beyond. I would pray that that would be so in Christ's name. Amen.